Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Hopefully everyone had a fantastic 4th of July. I'm going to call it a week. I'm sure many of you worked, but always a little weird when the holiday falls in the middle of the work week. Uh, Don't blame anyone for checking out before and definitely after 4th of July festivities, but hopefully you enjoyed them in the sun by a pool with a brewski in hand, a hot dog, a burger, family and friends, because... It's what you do on 4th of July. So hopefully everyone had a good time. And uh, back to talking about football. And here's what we will do today. We will have on T-Bob Bear. He is the co-host with Aaron Murray of Snaps here on The Volume. He's a unique personality. I, I, I stumbled upon him last year when Snaps, The Volume's SEC podcast. It's like, who is this guy? He is a madman. And he's very entertaining. He's one of those guys who's just a natural fit. For the medium. I mean, he's he's perfect. He hosts a big radio show with Jacob Hester in New Orleans. Uh, his dad, Bobby Bear, longtime quarterback. He played football for a team that went to a national championship, lost to Alabama, and another one that won it. I think he, he talks about on the podcast, he was a redshirt freshman on that team. He is embedded in SEC land, knows all things SEC, loves football, loves LSU. Uh, we talk a little bit about his time when he was an undrafted free agent. He's just good. He's just he's a natural he's a natural talker. Some some of us just got it, you know, and it just uh he's definitely one of those. So we, we will dive into the interview. Subscribe to their podcast. If you like college football, snaps, um, him and Aaron Murray. It, it really is it really enter- entertaining. I'm not just saying that. Uh I, I I legitimately listen because big part is T Bob. He's 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 a one of a kind, and you'll you'll hear him coming up. Other than that, the plan, we will have a podcast coming out tomorrow. It'll be more football. I'm probably going to do a golf podcast midweek, even though it's kind of slowing down. Uh, There's been a lot of moving parts in the golf world over the last couple weeks since the last time we talked. And uh, other than that, we'll just keep rocking and rolling. We're probably three weeks away from the vets reporting to NFL training camps, probably a month away in college football for that really to get going. Uh, but let's buckle up. Football's right around the corner. And uh, can't wait, baby. I, I love that smell of grass. Pads popping. Tackling. Well, there's no tackling in August because no one uh, actually does anything in training camp anymore. But that's a whole nother conversation. But we we have a lot of dialogue and takes and thoughts on football just moving forward because it's football season. Well, not quite yet, but right around the corner. But before we dive into it, download the Game Time app, the official ticketing app. Of this podcast, Game Time. Go to your app store, download Game Time, promo code John gets you $20 off. You want to go to a football game this fall? You want to get outside, go to a baseball game? You a Reds fan? You want to watch De La Cruz? You you an Angels fan and wants to watch Otani? Hell, he might not even be on your team that much longer now that Mike Trout's injured. 
comedy shows, concerts. You want to go to a concert this fall? I got you covered. Download the Game Time app. Promo code John, $20 off. Can't recommend them enough. Game Time, download it. Promo code John. Do it and do it now. Okay, honored to have uh, one of the kings of Louisiana. I was thinking this morning before I press record that you know when you th- when you think New Orleans, you think the Mannings, and you think Bobby and T Bob A Bear. What is going on, T Bob? How we doing? Ooh, John! <laughs> if you can't tell, uh, we're doing good today. Okay. I'm fresh off a vacay in which I watched the LSU Tigers battle in the College World Series. I don't know exactly when this is going to air, but about 12 hours ago, I was in an Atlanta airport lounge with a bunch of LSU fans flying back to New Orleans watching Tommy Tanks hit a walk-off and send the Tigers to the College World Series about to take on the Florida Gators. So life is good. Now, I got home about 2.30 a.m., Rolled into my morning show about 6 a.m. We're on fire. We are not running on fumes. We're running on adrenaline and emotion, and we're having fun today. And now we're going to talk some football. So, I mean, dude, life does not get better, John. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Okay, I-, I wanted to introduce you a little bit for those who don't know. Your, your dad, Bobby, longtime NFL quarterback, but Hell you yeah. yourself, four-year starter for the LSU Tigers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so yes, I, I uh, well... Four-year letterman, three-year starter. My freshman year, I did like the special team, or my redshirt freshman year, kind of started to break in on special teams. And then I had the um, unique distinction of being like pretty good, but not that good, right? So I had to find my way to the starting lineup every year. So sophomore year, I started at center. The next year, I started at right guard. And the year after that, I started at left guard. And I was also the two-time Jeff Boss Unsung Hero Award, which, again, uh, that's like a team award, right? But that's like the ultimate, like, again, you were pretty good, but not, like, great. Like, you're not winning MVPs or anything, but always doing I, – I, look, I wasn't going to – you weren't going to keep me off the field, okay? No one ever looked at you like, you know, Patrick Peterson or Justin Jefferson. Like, you just knew if you were on the team, you were a lock starter. You had to come in and, like, just go to battle. It's weird. You know, in high school, I maybe had a little bit of that, dude. Like, I had a little bit of profile. And that was early on in recruiting, Ryan. I think those metrics get better and better. And I I certainly, coming from a football name, always helps, right? So, like, in high school, I was, like, the number two center in the country. Actually, my my high school projections were, like, number number two center in the country, but it was, like, three-year starter, maybe make the NFL. And that's actually what ended up happening. Three-year starter, Went to camp, got cut final cuts, and that was kind of it. So, I mean, rivals, good good on you. But no, I, but no, yes, I was not Tyron Matthew. Or I was not Patrick Peterson. Tyron Matthew doesn't apply there because I'll never forget watching Tyron Matthew. That's the best human being I've ever shared a locker room with. And I'll never forget, dude, 2010. He's a true freshman, right? And we're, it's beginning of camp. We're just like watching film from one of the first days. And this little dude during red zone has this play where he lays fully out somehow keeps his toes inbound and and comes up with a pick and we're like who is this like who is this cat he was like a two or three star time like nobody yeah, yeah. knew who tyre matthew he's, was. Not, he's then, not that big no he's tiny dude he's tiny but when i tell you that man exerts a um a gravitational pull on reality it's unlike anything i've ever seen like like his uh, his energy field 
you can just he's and you see this in all the alpha alphas guys like joe i always call it a reality distortion field right you see it in tom brady where like all of a sudden you have crazy things happening that shouldn't happen but it's breaking brady's way you see the same thing with guys like joe burrow pat mahomes these alpha alphas just have a way of um of 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 having reality bend to their will and now they're always talented and skilled enough to step through that door once yeah. opportunity does produce itself but tyron matthew was unlike anybody i ever shared a uh a locker room with so no i was not on those levels though for sure hey, but, but, but two-time unsung hero award winner don't forget it there john but but you you know in 10 and 11 i was looking this morning you guys went 24 and 3 and listen i, I yeah. got a lot of people listening right now they're you know 20s 30s you know business majors just went to school they just have always thought like what's it like to be on the team at USC, at Bama, at LSU, at Ohio State, and just be wrong. When you guys would just fucking throttle Tennessee oh. or whoever, oh. night game, that game ended, get your shower, and you go to the party. I mean, did the thing look like the Playboy man? I mean, what's it like? It's, what, people uh, want to know, bro. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's interesting, man, because I really ran the gamut. And my time in LSU because my freshman year. You're, you're a married year, man. You got kids now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. And actually, look, um, me and my wife have been together since high school. We actually survived uh, wow. college together. Yeah. Now we have three kids. But uh, but but let, let, let's say that, yes, many, many of my friends did very well for themselves uh, strictly in the relational department um you know sometimes transactional relationships that then tend to last more than a night or two but it it, it I, but but i saw it all because my freshman year we win the national championship this crazy oh seven year with like the two losses maybe the craziest year of college football ever but then the next year we went eight and five and the same way that you get all the glory when things are good it's not a great place to th- be when things are bad like you're kind of going to class and like students are glaring at you, looking at you sideways. Uh, you got uh, the, the, the me, you're just spending every single day answering these harsh questions from the media. The town just seems generally pissed, but, but, hey, but, eight, but. eight and five at LSU might as well just be like two and 10, right? I mean, that's yeah. Terrible. And it was like three and five in the SEC and you're coming okay. off and that. Like it was, it was easily the worst year in a long time. Right. Uh, but then we started to climb back. And like you said, after that, I think we went like nine and four, then 11 to two, then the 13 and one season. And I will say this, um, like anything else in life uh like the greater the expectations yes there are great consequences but the greater rewards so when you do do well it's unlike any feeling you've ever experienced um you go around town and people just want to you know oh they get your meal they treat you to it's 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 just you start to feel um like like some sort of gladiatorial hero that's walking around and being celebrated and especially my senior year where we were undefeated up until losing to alabama 21 and nothing in the national championship it was just what position was, what um, position were you playing your senior year i was playing uh left guard senior year i believe and then and then i would even fill it like it, it, it was a weird thing where i would start there but then if a guy went down i'd move to one of the other guard positions um or maybe it was right guard senior i i, I can't even remember at some points but it's like i used to during practice i my rotation was i would do two plays at left guard two plays at center two plays at right guard take two plays off and I and I just did that constantly throughout the year right so i was very much wherever you needed me in the interior but um but yeah, that senior year was something different, man, because we were undefeated. 
beat like nine ranked teams, beat everybody by double digits. We ended up beating the Sugar Bowl champions, the Orange Bowl champions, the Rose Bowl champions. Um, now, we, helped, we actually beat the national champions for losing to them in the natty. But um, I'll never forget the most, like the nights that you're talking about, the most like that that I ever felt was after the SEC championship. We beat Georgia. Um we uh so it's undefeated you know your punch you're taking the national championship mission accomplished and we went back and i always thought this was very douchey so you always got made fun of if you do this if you went out to the bars in your tracksuit right but i'll never forget that night we all wore our tracksuits like straight from the bus to the bars and we're sitting there standing on top of the bar the fight song's playing i'm just pouring liquor into everybody's mouths that are open it was truly something out of like one of those college movie type of scenarios so no it was um it, it was it was all it was exactly why i think you go to somewhere that plays major college football like i said is the pressure high absolutely does it come at the cost of other things absolutely i don't know many that are able to give academics the full attention that it deserves uh when you're trying to play major college football now you have your freaks right like wasn't myron roll from fsu like a road yeah, scholar yeah. or something back then? like like you have your guys i was not one of those guys but the thing is um there is a lot of pressure. It is a full-time job. It is so much commitment. But even then, there were rewards to be had. Now, it's actually a legitimate career path. Like, yeah, it's insane. Make money. It, <laughs> I would have been making more money in college now than I am as a professional adult had uh, NIL been around back then. So uh, you had raisin, you had raisin canes tattooed to your neck. Oh, bro. <laughs> I'm look. I, I'm I'm a I, I when one of the radio guys here in Louisiana. I think said it best. My guy Sean Fox from um he does radio up in North Louisiana. He said, "Look, if I could sell the oxygen in my studio to a sponsor, I would do that." So uh, yeah, if I back in college, you would you would have catch me pimping everything possible. Well, what's crazy is like for as good as things get, you also mentioned eight and five. Like I I Phil Savage, who used to be a GM, ran the Senior Bowl for a while, and now he yep. works again with the Jets. He called Alabama radio for a long time and he lived in Fairhope. He just, he's a Southern guy. And he's like, when things are going well and you start winning, you get like the best case is Nick Saban or Kirby, but you've seen it. You've seen it with your coaches, right? Less Ed. And I knew Jim McElwain from Fresno state. And obviously he got the Florida job. And he, he, and Phil always said, when this negativity comes over in, in the sec and you're not one of you guys, it, it's impossible to stop the tide, right? Yeah. You saw it. You saw it with Harson last year, and you can see it, it felt for a second last year like it was going to happen early on with your coach. With but BK, he's so, yeah. but he's so damn good. By the end, everyone's like, "Now you guys are the favorites to win the West." Isn't it crazy? How did that happen? Is he just that good? He's that good, man. He is someone I mentioned the um, the aura that people give off earlier. I'll never forget. When he first got hired, they had this event in the stadium, and it was for ex-players, big boosters, just a meet-and-greet sort of deal, right? And what I was just really watching, I didn't care. No, I wanted to, you know, you got to go you got to go glad hand in front of the new president. You want to try to get a positive little intro and, you know, hey, what's up? We look great, blah, 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 whatever. Keep those VIP passes flowing, you know? Yeah, but, you know, what I really wanted no, to see yeah. is, again, how's he, how's he going to work this thing? And... 
the acumen that he showed the dude just gives off the feeling of a fortune 500 ceo right like he had someone uh subtly feeding him information on who he was talking to he had a wonderful little anecdote or a little um joke to be made with every part like he just was incredibly ingratiating to a room full of very powerful people and just former players who were just there because they were players and they're not anything really important to the program now but he but 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 just watching him work that room i was like okay this is this is a little bit different. And then you start to dive into his process. And like most of the greats, he's incredibly process oriented. And here you have someone who has been building up this, this process and his skill set for an entire lifetime. He has one missing crown jewel. And he basically, by leaving an 11 and two Notre Dame team that was knocking on the edge of the playoff and going to an LSU team that was sub 500 with 39 scholarship players during the text ball. He basically told you he felt like he had reached the glass ceiling at Notre Dame. And yeah. then all the acumen that he had built up, he needed a better engine through which to apply it. That became LSU. The year one results are fantastic. We'll see what ends up happening year two. It certainly looks very good on paper. I'll say this. It is without a doubt. And I love Coach O. That's my boy. I played for Coach Miles. This is by far the best coach that LSU has had since Nick Saban. Yeah, and, I agree. And, 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 and what's interesting here is, man, He's getting paid a hundred million dollars, right? That's <laughs> yeah. a lot of money. Um, but college football is fascinating. I love the parallels between college football and like medieval warfare. And that's not even just because I'm like a big like uh fantasy nerd, which I am. I love all that kind of stuff, right? But when you think about it, uh, like the college football game day itself feels like a medieval tournament, right? There's exotic sights and smells, and you have these foreigners wearing these different colors and they sing their own weird songs, and uh, people are selling their wares and all this sort of stuff. And then you have the tilt at the end of the day, and it's wonderful. And then when you zoom out, though, a successful college football program starts to look like successful military conquest. Go look at pictures of Tuscaloosa pre-Nick Saban, 2000. And I mean like the city. Go look at the economy. Like the, the potential benefits that you reap can be massive. He didn't just bring winning football there. All of a sudden, Alabama, the academics are higher than ever. It's harder than ever to get into because there's so much out-of-state tuition because they're constantly playing for natties. They're constantly being advertised to this larger audience. You have investment in the city. You have businesses wanting to be there. You have the same way that the great Roman generals would come back and build temples and statues. You have new buildings going up all around campus, all throughout the city, and you're seeing it now in Georgia as well. And what's scary about Georgia is they even have a higher potential than Alabama because they're kind of like LSU where I'm not counting Georgia Tech. They have no major in-state rival. Um, they are just as good. Louisiana, we always brag about our professional athletes from a per capita standpoint. Yeah. Georgia's just as good, only they're multiple times more populous. Okay. So on a per capita level, they're equal with you and they have a ton more kids to pull from. And they have a way better economy and 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 money from which to pull. And they also have no other flagship committee with them. Like as good as Alabama has been, Kirby Smart looks as if he is poised to take that and 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 go to an even higher level um, than we've seen even in this Nick Saban era potentially. I hear what you're saying about the individual towns and on a micro level. Yeah, I think you're right. I think even on a macro level, your entire conference. I saw it a couple of years ago. I was home. I got family in the Sacramento area and I was playing golf. And this, my brother is a farmer and he was playing with this other big farmer and his kids 
Again, born and raised Sacramento area. One kid goes to Ole Miss, the other goes to Tennessee. And then I got family in Fresno, California, exactly. and I'm texting with people. And these are not athletes. These are just kids going to be an econ major, a yep. business major, whatever. I know family friends in the Central Valley that are sending their kids to the SEC. I think the SEC, and this started with Saban and just became so popular, the amount of money that came in with football has cycled down. You guys are kicking ass at every sport now. You're on TV the most. And I think you're driving people to these schools that just would have gone back in my day. If you were from Sacramento, you might have gone to San Diego State right, or Arizona State. Now you're like, shit, I'll just go to... Tennessee, that looks cool. And the dad's like, yeah, go there. It looks awesome. I'll come visit. And it's it's become <laughs> like, a destination. I'll go to Knoxville. <laughs> Where yeah. I bet when you were at LSU <laughs> and playing, right, in most of the schools, most people were from the South that went to the school. I think that's yes. probably changing dramatically and will continue to. No, and and, there, and there's number to, numbers to back that up. I mean, this article that I always think about was, I think, even from like 2017, 16, maybe. But the New York Times did a deep dive on Alabama and just looked at um things like out-of-state tuition and it, it yeah, the just admissions process i remember it was crazy just absolutely and, and like you said and that trickles down um to other facets of the sec and and now where it gets a bit interesting and this is where um look the big 10 seems like the best challengers to keep up with this but now too in the age of nil uh emotional buy-in equals economic buy-in Right. And so obviously I'm riding a college baseball high right here. Everybody in Baton Rouge loves college baseball. The team's hot. They made the natty or whatever. The SEC is great in baseball. It's only going to get better and better, though, because like that's already a sport where you don't get full scholarships. You get 11.8. But guess what? Now everybody can because they can pay you. Like every, if you, if, if your fans care enough, if they're, if they're passionate enough, you can, and I don't care what you want to try to reform. We've talked about this on snaps a lot, John, and, and, and I'm not a lawyer. And, and so, and, and, and so that's I know T Bob's podcast with Aaron Murray snaps. Go subscribe right now. It's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Right. And, and so maybe there are some angles that I'm missing here, but everybody wants to reform NIL, reform NIL. I don't see how it's possible. And they say things like, oh, we'll do a salary cap, right? Okay, that 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 sounds good on the surface, but a salary cap comes from the school. Pat Mahomes may have a contract under a salary cap, but that doesn't stop, um, I, I don't even know, like State Farm from yeah. paying him hundreds of millions of dollars. Hurts, right? like, whoever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, you can maybe cap what uh the, the the school or the conference could provide but how do you ever stop uh your local business owner who owns the big roofing company and wants the five-star quarterback from saying no i'll pay him a million dollars a year and all i need to do is two instagram posts i'm happy i mean that's that's the exposure that i want so it's like i i it, it is a definite to me toothpaste out of the tube situation when it comes to hell i don't think that there's any great road back i don't see how you regulate it um when you look at uh justice kavanaugh's letter about any about the ncaa basically being immune to antitrust laws for so many years but they never should have been and so i guess i'm I'm saying this all because we're talking about the sec right and how how you mentioned that you've already had this economic trickle-down effect this buy-in that's led to a concentration of power in college sports i I, I don't see that momentum stopping. No. I only see that momentum hyper accelerating. But there are going to be other winners as well, right? USC is one because 
while USC may not have the ratio of buy-in from the population, they have way more money. But they, but the T. Bob, they, 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 they went to the SEC light in the Big Ten, so they, yes, they, they, they gravitated. They would have not been left behind, but they would have been at a disadvantage. The yep. Pac-12 had major uphill battles that they could never overcome. That the Big Ten and the SEC have lapped them, right? So I, I give them credit; they fucking bounce, and now they are. If Lincoln does it right, and he's landing some of these transfers from the SEC, the reason yep. Pete won big. Defense, defense, defense. We know Lincoln coach offense. Then they, well, I'm with you. They, they will be a, a foe like Ohio State, dude. Right? Lincoln Riley's a fucking beast. Like, yeah. I, I, this is one of the most annoying things that I feel like I have to deal with talking college football. And well, you crush Venables, and I love it because that last year was an, it was <laughs> I mean, embarrassment. Look, la- that that's inexcusable for Oklahoma to go six and seven with that roster going against other Big Twelve teams. Like, it, now, now he's done a great job recruiting. Whatever. I mean, uh, but like. I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Uh, he's going to have to make me look like an asshole uh, before I give him credit. But yeah, and, and exactly right. If that didn't speak to Lincoln Riley's acumen, look what happened the year after he left to yeah. Oklahoma. But to me, there's this bit of um, Southern um, overconfidence, pride, whatever you want to call it, where they just feel like USC is a finished product. They're like, oh, okay, whatever. It was a cute year, but they still can't play defense. Guys, it was year fucking one. Okay. And when you're looking at Lincoln Riley, he is not Clay Helton. He is not Lane Kiffin at like 27 years old or however he was. Lincoln Riley is multiple orders of magnitude better than these guys. Lincoln, if you had a scale where it's like Clay Helton here, Pete Carroll here, Lincoln Riley is so much closer to the Pete Carroll end of the spectrum than he is the Clay Helton. It's not even close. I mean, he's won multiple Big 12 championships. He's now produced three Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. So nobody can handle the most important position in football like Lincoln Riley can. Like, to act like he's never going to figure it out defensively, I think is absurd, especially now that he's at USC. He has the resource, and Hollywood loves a star right and and Lincoln Riley is that guy you see them getting guys like Bear Alexander to transfer over from Georgia they brought in a ton of all-conference defenders like I'm not saying their defense is going to be great this year and it's still a it's still a long climb but I just really want to fight against this narrative or this notion that like just because USC sucked defensively last year they've always sucked or because Lincoln Riley's never been the best defensively he's always going to I don't believe that at all I I I am uh I I think the long-term potential of USC is top five in the country I think it's with any of the other major powers that you traditionally think of Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals 
like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I, I've gotten to this argument and I don't, I've never lived there like you have. And I think you're a perfect guy to ask because, you know, you, you've lived in one of these towns. Your dad played in this, the other town in Atlanta and you know, Atlanta, just the <laughs> SEC championship game is so big. Is it, it would probably only be the two teams, the Falcons and the Saints. If LSU, Georgia, or just you could even do the Florida teams too. Is there any NFL team? Can they be bigger than an SEC football? Like, what is more important? SEC football team like LSU and the Saints, Georgia, the Falcons, right? Obviously, Florida teams like the Bucks, and I'm sorry, maybe the Dolphins if yeah. they're good, but I don't know. They haven't been good in so long. No, for the vast majority of the SEC footprint, what's bigger in New Orleans? Is, is it the or just Louisiana as a whole? In, okay, LSU in or Orleans, the Saints? In New Orleans, it's probably going to be the Saints. Um, the Saints have. One of the they they're, they kind of remind me of kind of your your northeast fan bases a little bit where you know it is the end all be all for a lot of people for Louisiana as a whole I'm probably going to say LSU I think I think in the southeast as a whole because a lot of places don't have NFL teams it yeah. is all about the college program and then what you'll see is like especially with a team like the Saints that that one of the funny quirks there is um, that is a time. When fan bases that hate each other on Saturday will kind of unite on Sunday, right? Because they're kind of the Bay Area team. So Alabama Crimson Tide fans are also New Orleans Saints fans. Yeah, gotcha. But if you ask a lot of these guys, okay, you can get another Saints Super Bowl or you can get another college national championship. I, I mean, I feel like if you were to ask that to the Southeast, you know, do you want your favorite NFL team to win a championship or college football team? I, I, I feel like the majority of the Southeast would answer college football. And again, we live in an era now where emotional investment becomes economic investment. And like everything else in life, if you have money, it's easier to do things and it's easier to try to accomplish goals. And so, yeah, it's, it's, and, and, and that's actually something that college football needs to fight against. Like the big 10 needs to, they're, they're doing it. Kevin Warren got a great contract. They have all the buy-in there as well, but like, it, it it's dang, it, it's in danger of becoming a bit too regionalized, in my opinion. And so you need the Big Ten to get frisky. You need USC Agreed. to have success in that conference. Like you still need representation from these other portions of the country. Though I don't think we're ever going to get it from the Northeast. I think the game of the year, just because you know anyone, I'd say you know I'm I'm a couple years older than you, but we've seen you win. We've seen Bama win now forever. We've seen Auburn win, Georgia win, but Tennessee's kind of been down for a while. And yeah. last year, that night win, and then all the viral videos, it was like, this is the shit. Like, that was incredible. Was, I, I don't care who you root for or whatever. That, to me, was probably not like the national championship or whatever, which was a dud. But even the final four, like that was probably the night of the year for college football. That was oh, sweet. That, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and You guys beat Bam was pretty sweet, too, I guess, but... On a walk off, there is something. Yeah, exactly. But 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 but, but that's we've the, seen it's that. the same thing though. It was the same thing though. Walk off and walk off, right? Yeah. And But but at the end of the day, like one thing that the NFL doesn't have that college football does is it's a 
more wealthy crowd, a bit of a more corporate crowd. You got to make sure that your fans are a little more comfortable. So you're ended up with like 70,000 seat stadiums around there. There's a difference when you got a hundred K in there and they all got the emotional buy-in of, Oh, I chose to go to school here. I gave my tuition dollars here. Maybe I grew up and my parents had me die hard from the beginning. Like there's just a, you could, I mean, there, there were, there were tears. There were like these volunteers fans were literally spilling tears. It was what you felt in that Tennessee, Alabama game was over a decade of anguish finally broken and i've seen it that's what you felt at lsu in 2019 when they beat alabama after struggling for like eight years in a row like i'll never forget it it was it wasn't just winning a football game it was this cultural communal experience i mean it was in alabama that year 2019 where i'm watching with my neighbors everybody's got the kids running around uh everybody boiled crawfish we're taking jello shots every turnover every touchdown uh just delicious foods everywhere and as the game ends it's not just our pocket in the neighborhood celebrating you could hear just honking and yelling and fireworks all throughout the city and 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 you do get that you do i'm not saying that you don't get that in professional sports, but um, I mean, you definitely get it uh, in, in 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 the SEC, and you saw it in Tennessee last year. You saw it in LSU, and it's just it's it's you feel man playing in the SEC too when you're in a hundred thousand seat stadium. Um, it's just the closest thing that I can imagine what it felt like to 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 like be a gladiator back in the day, and that's how I used to approach it. Like yeah. to me, when I would get my mind right before the game, I'd just be like pumping Led Zeppelin in my ears and putting on the pads was like putting on a suit of armor and the final piece was painting the face. And then it was just time to go fucking fight. And when you scored like next to the student section or something, and you heard that crowd and you basically hold up your arms and you feel like Russell Crowe, like, are you not entertained? It's just, it's, it's, it is a feeling that I have not been able to replicate in any portion of my, um, of my life. And I think it's the best feeling, right? Because I have three kids. I love them. Um, I cry at the drop of the hat with anything that they do because I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a softy, but it, it's just a different feeling and adrenaline rush that I can't, I'll, I'll forever be chasing. Well, I think you're a good example. I, you know, I have a love hate relationship, like social media slash the internet. Obviously it's good for our business and, you know, much needed, but you're also able to find like, you're in Louisiana. I, I'm on the West Coast. I would never, beside of knowing, you know, working in football, knowing your name, like I couldn't just watch or listen to your shows 20 years ago, right? If you, yeah. if this was 1997, but I'm able to, like, obviously we were both on the volume, so I snaps, but I, I could listen to your radio show if I was a big LSU fan in, yes. in Sacramento or Seattle or, or wherever. You know, I, I you are just, you're fucking born for this. But I think historically, <laughs> a lot of people like to get a job. And to be big, you know, in sports as a former player, it's like you got to have a big name. You got to have a big name. And to me, that's always been the most like you're either entertaining or not. Right. And, so, you know, is this something that you when you were a player like I- I'm going to be a personality or is it something that just organically happened? Because you clearly well, you're it, pretty natural at it. Oh, John, dude, you're making me blush, dude. Thank you. Oh, fuck, <laughs> no, look, it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, a bit, <laughs> it's a bit of a mixed bag here where when I was playing the player media relationship is very interesting, right? Because it is inherently antagonistic. A lot of times, even if both parties kind of like each other at the end of the day, 
it's always got a little bit of an us versus them feeling. Now, the greats, they can work in and they can kind of manage these relationships, especially I'm always really impressed, like the beat writers who can do that, who can keep it honest for the fans, but also like still not have the players like, fuck you. I saw what you wrote about me, blah, blah, blah. So when I first it, got to LSU, playing, you guys are covered like an NFL team. I mean, how many, how many media members yeah. are showing up? To stuff? Oh, I mean, it, dude, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, uh, Tuesday was the day for local media where you would just do like 30 minutes of TV, 30 minutes of, um, of paper. Uh, then you do national things throughout the year. Yeah. Like it's multiple beat, right? You know, yes, it is. It is every single day. Right. And so when I first got out of it, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't do this. Even though my old man was doing radio at the time. And this is where I kind of come back to. I don't know. Or not. I don't know. I did not take school as seriously uh, as I should have in college. And it was kind of in the back burner. So I, I was like, I just need a degree. So I just did general studies or whatever. So I get done with football. I get cut. I'm kind of looking around I'm like, fuck, man. I don't know shit about shit. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to school? I don't really want to do that. Like, I got to find some way to make money. And I'd always had friends. And, and, and you know, I, I in college, I'd become somebody that they could rely on and be like, you know, send T-Bob out there. He won't say anything fucked up. He'll give him some good, like whatever. Like he's not going to get bulletin board material. So I got to go to like SEC media days. So I knew I kind of enjoyed it and everything. And then, so I was engaged. I needed to get a job and, um, I just hit up one of the local radio stations here and they were like, okay, look, we will have you do sales. And then you can do like, you know, Monday and Thursday nights. Uh, and I was shit at sales. I don't have that grind bone. I, I I just don't. I'm not good at it. Um, I would lie and be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm out here busy with business, and I'd just be like smoking weed and playing basketball. It just, <laughs> it, just I, it was just it was I was just all flat. But I loved the radio portion. So later I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to go in all in on this thing. And this is where, um, I just got to be honest. I'm a huge beneficiary of nepotism. Um, you mentioned my father, a former NFL great, love that man. Um, he's a legend in New Orleans radio after he retired. He ended up doing all the Saints pregame, postgame, and everything. And when I got done, I started looking around for jobs. And it, the station that he was working at, they were opening up like kind of a smaller sister station and they wanted to do a morning sports talk show. And thus, at 23 years old, I was gifted an opportunity that I absolutely uh, did not deserve. And you, you, I don't, you, I don't take you, obviously you have a last name, but you were a several year starter on a team that was in the national championship at LSU. It's not like you, you played at McNeese state or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. Like, no, I, I, I just mean that. I just mean in terms of like, you know, the players, you have the connections to the coaches. I mean, you got an in with I've some pretty the important path, though. I've seen I, the path. I agree. That I'm just saying you're not nobody. Take. And I kind of, and, and, and I got jumped to the front of the line in a lot of ways. And I've always tried to keep that in front of my mind, not as a negative thing and not to try to debase myself, but more to kind of remind myself to be thankful for that opportunity and to try to continue sure. to make the most of that opportunity. And I want to be honest with others because sometimes people are like, man, how'd you get in? How'd you do it? And it's like, I had an easier path than most, and I'm trying to make the most of it. And like, dude, getting here on the volume and getting to snaps there and has been one of the biggest breaks of my professional career. And I absolutely love it. It's like the most fun thing that I do every single day, but, but no, but, but to be honest, yeah. So, so I, that, that was kind of how I got my foot in the door 
And then through that, I started doing the night show on the big station in New Orleans at WWL, 8 to midnight, which that's a great fucking way to learn to do radio, dude. 8 to yeah. midnight. Yeah, I mean, so you, got, probably got some, you probably got some callers in New Orleans. Huh? Dude, I mean, <laughs> just dealing with some insane hammered people. And it was also part political. So I'm, 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 I'm a young mid twenties, um, Fired you know, off abortion that, takes or well, well, like I would say that my, my politics definitely, um, fall on, uh, the, 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 the more left side of the issues, which did, you know, which did not always play well with the audience. So I'm out here eight to midnight, just fucking <laughs> cutting my teeth, grinding, arguing with drunk callers about sports and about politics. And so, uh, it was just an invaluable experience, but, but that, that night shift is, it's just a weird existence. And then I was really, really lucky where coach O got the job at LSU. Um, and one of the morning show hosts randomly went with him to be his like chief of staff, essentially. So the job opened up. Here I, 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 met the, I met that I guy over. at the volume yeah, party Darren a couple Panamsky. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah great guy. So funnily enough, Panamsky is actually who I went to right when I got out of college to get at that, that sales job at one Oh four five. So it's funny how the world works. And then, so that job opens up and, um, I jumped at it, man. I, I knew I wanted a family and the morning schedules. No, it's brutal. Awesome. Yeah. It's, 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 it's better than night. And, uh, and so here we are now, man, I've been doing this morning show for like six years. Now we're doing the volume in the afternoon and it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And, and I think you hit on something important real quick, John. I'm sorry. I know I'm getting wordy, but fucking do no, keep, no, it's a podcast, bro. <laughs> but, but you mentioned being entertaining, okay? And I want to be painfully clear about this. I am not a journalist. I did not go to journalism school. Um, and I think a lot of people are always like, how's that guy on TV? Not talking about me, but like, you know, they see like a Kendrick Perkins, like, how yeah. the fuck is he on TV? <laughs> what do you, I can't believe he said this. He was so wrong. You're like, yeah, but you got to understand he's fucking funny. And he's entertaining. He's good to listen to. Like this job is not necessarily about being right. Like you have to have acumen. I'm not saying you can just be some sort of complete slappy. Like, like your, your, your takes have to have belief or truth in them. But ultimately I view myself as an entertainer. And if you're listening to my morning show or you're listening to snaps, I want you to have fun because the world can be very, uh, grating a lot of times right and we all need an escape and so i just want you to have some fun have some laughs and everybody to just go home being like you know what i, I was happy i just listened to that all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pre-game barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I think, and I, you know, I've been listening to you guys since you started, and I, what I noticed about you is that I think a lot of people push back against this modern, like people just making up takes to like say a take. And, and if you are, I, I can't tell. Like, there's an authenticity behind it, but you know, a lot of, especially like former player, won't talk some shit. And I don't mean just talk shit to talk shit. I mean, if you don't think Brent Venables is worth his salt, say he sucks. Like, I think Sark's the most overrated coach I've ever seen. Yes, Doesn't mean he's a bad John. guy or whatever, yes, John, but he stinks. He's you never know? won 10 games. Yeah, he's I, never I, won 10 games. And, and I, I listen, I, I have no problem holding back on, on coach. Like, Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Like, get the fuck out of here. You know, but like, <laughs> whenever I hear you talking, like, you will blast some people. But it's just like, I, I truly believe... You believe it when you're saying it. You're not just saying it to say it. And that's no, that's so what, that, I, no, what that, I enjoy that, about you. That is true. No, that is true. Because you can, you can, you can, you can sniff out a rat, and you can try to be a hot take guy. But again, there has to be some modicum of belief. Now, I will say this: there are situations where I've almost started out satirically believing a thing, but then I start to like. I'm yeah. like, oh, wait a second, actually. Like, like, like with Anthony Richardson, right? All of a sudden, you know, at first I'm kind of fuck with Aaron because he's like, oh, you shouldn't be drafted. I'm like, I don't know, dude. You know, he's physical. But then I'm like, but I'm like, wait, 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 hold on a second now. How many good quarterbacks with great stats have been drafted that fucking suck? 90% well, I might as well draft. So I might as well draft the fucking bad one that's more physically better. Like, if the good ones are going to suck. Like, I yeah. might as well take a shot on the guy who can throw it 80 yards <laughs> to a backflip and is way more physically talented. And so sometimes even it's it, it's just interesting to me how when you start to break things down and, you, and our job really to me is um, just thinking critically about something. It's taking in information, filtering it through your brain and trying to come out with how do I feel about this? Maybe what are the interesting angles in this? And. I actually like legitimately believe in Anthony Richardson being drafted fourth overall. And it's I'm kind of a believer too now. I'm cheap. like Shane Steichen, Jalen Hurts. I'm like, this is going to work. Bro, Steichen, I mean, he's really, it's exactly. Think about Steichen. Like, who has a more proven recent resume with um, making young quarterbacks great? Right? Nobody. And even Justin Herbert, people were not high on Herbert. Or excuse me, people were high. I was a hater. On Herbert coming out. Like I was one of those guys that crew. Look at what Steichen did. And it's funny, I um I was talking to someone who hung out with Shane not that long ago, and he was saying that look, Steichen gets it. Steichen was like, let's be painfully clear. I know that my job relies on making Anthony Richardson good. So like it's not like anybody's avoiding the elephant in the room. Like he knows that he has to make this work. And shit, man, I I, I don't know how quick it will work, but I, I, I think it has as good a chance as any is working out. And here's my other deal on that. It's like, stop telling him not to play football. What's this idea of like, well, I think he needs a year to get ready. No, guys, play fucking football. 
Okay, that's the way he's going to get ready. Let him take his lumps. Let him get out there and make mistakes. Is it going to suck? Is it going to hurt in year one? Yes, but we've seen it work out in the past. I mean, Peyton's obviously the most extreme example of that where he threw about a 1,000 picks uh, his first like year and a half, maybe two years, and then he became Peyton Manning. But no, I, I hate this idea of, well, no, you're going to redshirt Anthony Richardson. No, no, no. Let, let, let's just He's play playing. him. Yeah. Let's just play him. Yeah, exactly. Too much resources. Play him. Be a good coach. Customize your plans to what highlight his strengths and mask his weaknesses. You can't be so married to whatever system you have to run that you don't customize. And these NFL coaches don't do that. Like they 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 know yeah. that nowadays, obviously. But yeah, man, I'm 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 fascinated to see where it goes. But that was a take that I wasn't always sure on. And then the more I talked it out and thought about it, I'm like, wait a second. It's so crazy. It actually makes sense. But it's not even crazy. The dude went four overall. So it's like, what, what are we even yeah. arguing? Like the, the yeah. market showed. Does your radio station? Do you guys have LSU football? Um. Yes. Yes. Is, is we that, are the flagship. Well, I, I was. Uh, my I worked in radio for about four years and did. I, we had the Raiders and I did the post game and they were terrible. And Mark Davis, the Raiders got very mad at me and ultimately <laughs> I talked. I got fired because they, they hated just my takes and I. I was told don't hold back and then a boss changed and I was, you know, just, is that hard for you? Like, is that an issue? Cause former player, you're mm -hmm. close with the coaches, but like if they lose the fans, the same, the Raider fans leaving, they just saw the team get blasted. It's not like they don't want rainbows, you know? So is that something you you even think about or you just let it loose? Have you ever been told to calm down? I mean, I've, I've gotten, um, I've gotten I've gotten slapped in the hand before. I've got I've gotten into it before. Uh do you, do you think you got more leash because of who like if it was me, not a former player or whatever, do you, do you feel a little more secure given that your status with the program? That could potentially that could potentially be true. Um I I I feel look, if so here so like probably the toughest needle that I've had to thread was um Coach O is my old man's old college roommate. They they grew up together. They're they're you know everybody down the Bayou's cousins, but they played high school football together. So you've they known won, them your entire life. Hey, yes, they won uh, state together in high school. They roomed together in college at N- in Natchitoches Northwestern State. So yeah, this was like a family friend being hired as a head coach, and it was fucking awesome at first. <laughs> you know, it was fucking great. <laughs> and and I could objectively, you know, celebrate everything. But then then nineteen happens, you're like, this yeah. doesn't get any better. <laughs> I mean, it, it was like I'm about my luck, yeah. It's like, but but then you had 2021 where you basically go 500 two years in a row, and it was tough. And and, and I'd be lying if I said that me and O himself didn't have some tough conversations where because you know he. He never did this for anybody. He would come on our show weekly, and I had to ask him very tough questions. Like, did you think like you like lost the locker room when you went on Fox? Like, you know, some some, some stuff. So like, and, and even he, you know, we had some kind of like what the fuck moments, and I just had to be like, look, man, I, you know, I, I have to ask. I I hate that I do. I have to ask this stuff. It just is what it is. And I find that if you if if you're really trying, like if if you're really trying to just keep your job. I got three kids, so that is an actual concern. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you just keep it fact based, right? 
Like, if I'm not out here saying, like, oh, he's a shitty fucking person, or like this or that, like, like the fact is, Kentucky just kicked your fucking teeth in. <laughs> you can't get your teeth kicked in by Kentucky if you're LSU football. Like, yeah. at a certain point, the facts take over for themselves, and it's like, I can tell that story. Okay, I, I I can tell that story because it's it's it, everyone it's saw it. There's no one can yes, everyone it. saw it. Like like what are you gonna what are you gonna come back at me with? Like and 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 that's the thing about football is coaches, players. You want to be pissed at the media. Football is one of those rare instances in life in which we have an actual meritocracy. You control how people will talk about you. If you win, you are beloved. If you lose, you get fucked. It is that simple. It is black and white. And and so it's like you can be mad at me for 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 saying you're doing bad, but like it's still it's 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 on you at the end of the day. If you're winning, I'm not gonna shit on you. Like, right? Like, cause I can't, because I'm gonna talk about the facts, which again is that you're doing really well. So, like, whenever I see coaches getting frustrated with the media and everything, I'm like, you're you're wasting your energy. I agree. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? Like, like, how about you just shut the fuck up and 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 and, and win. win the game? And, and, and look, and I get it; it's natural. Again, like I said, I went through it. I think it's a bit of an antagonistic relationship, and I too have been pissed at the media. But I always was cognizant of the fact that okay, you know what the way to get you them on your side is is to just win. I mean, I remember in 2019, me and like some of the I used to do a podcast with my guy Brody Miller from the Athletic, who whom I love dearly, but he's like a real ass journalist. Yeah. And he was really struggling with like, I can't find anything bad to talk about here. Not that he goes searching for that stuff, but he's like, I feel like I'm a homer writing for a fan site just because everything is so good right now. But but the, again, you have to just follow like wherever the facts go, and that's what you build it upon. So there is a needle of thread. Absolutely. I'm not gonna lie and say there isn't. But I have found that um, the only times I've gotten into trouble is maybe when I've gone a bit too far, uh, you know, maybe <clears throat> saying off like with, with 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 stuff that's not happening on the field. Like one day I did a whole like bit. They like wouldn't let media into practice. And so I start, I made like some like Russian propaganda bit where they're like, do not worry. Team is great. Everything is good. Do not, you do not, do not. Yes. Just trust us. And it just, it, so some stuff have like maybe that. gotten handed. But the, but the, co but the Coach like, O thing, right? The big story was the, the women off the field. Yes. And then I met him at the volume party. I think he's actually married to this woman now, but it was like, damn. I and mean, she was just way younger, dying piece. So I was like, is all that stuff true? And I'm sure well, that okay. was a major talking point. And it's like, okay, the the athletic department, if they're going to get mad, they're leaking the stories. Yes. Yeah. So, so here's the deal on that. And that was that was pretty delicate to talk around as well. But For those that don't know, listening to this that aren't, Coach O wasn't like working. It Was he like not working as hard? After he won the national championship, he got a divorce. Women yeah. coming to practice, unnamed players saying it was crazy, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. players were like, who are, what's going on here? No, no. There was, there was, there was a change. There was like a definite <laughs> change. What I find funny though, people are like, how could this happen? And I'm like, okay, guys, let's, you know, let's just take a step back. Let's look at the facts here. Um, this is a man who was, uh, D lineman his entire life, right? Uh, during his younger years, right? Not exactly yeah. the sexiest of positions. Um, when he started his coaching career, he was sleeping on a cot in the Arkansas weight room as like a GA. Um, now 
He has a new contract that pays $9 million a year. He put together maybe the greatest college football team of all time, went 15-0, and won a national championship, completed the ultimate turnaround story after leaving Ole Miss in disgrace. Like you said, he's suddenly single. He has the millions of dollars. He has a celebrity, and everybody wants to sleep with him. Guys, a lot of people would have fallen into the trap. What are we talking about? Like... Like it's it's literally the it, it reminds me of the old South Park episode where uh Tiger Woods is like you have all these people standing at the 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 the, the podiums and they're talking about like I can't believe Tiger would want to have sex with young women that are attractive and they're kind of like side eyeing their wife the entire time. Like there was a lot of posturing, like I can't believe that he would do this when like well a lot of you would. And and that's what makes guys like Sabin and others so obsessively great is that when you when you achieve that ultimate success, I think we're all under the disillusion that your problems go away. But Saban's been very clear about this. Success does not mean an elimination of problems. It just gives you a whole new set of problems. And one that is even arguably, uh, arguably even harder and more complex to deal with because it's not just, oh, we need to go out and win the games. Now, all of a sudden, you have to keep players motivated because you've already won the national championship, right? You have to make sure that be like it's, it's, it's success is not an end to your problems. It's just a transformation into new ones. And I don't think that um, O handled that transition well, but it doesn't matter because, like, I don't think a lot of us would. And he got paid 17 mil, and my guy's living life now. He's getting to be a dad. He's great. I talked to him on the phone the other day. It's he is the happiest I've ever heard him. Coach O's about to be a dad again. No, 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 no. He has he has two older kids, but he like, but he talked about it, man. Oh, he, he, I, thought, I thought his new wife was yeah. pregnant. I was like, damn, coach. No, 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 no. He's got like he's got like three kids, but 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 what he's saying is like, you know, he's like it, it, it just his, you know, and 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 he was even um talking very kindly about his ex wife, saying like, Lou, she raised the kids. I was never there. Was the coaching. demands of coaching are such is that I was just constantly busy. I was all on the road. You know about his relentless recruiting. We know about his relentless work ethic. And so now for the first time in his life, he's getting to go in. Uh, I think one of his sons is GA and at Miami. Um, I know a couple others are floating around in football as well. And he got to go to their games. He, he's, he's, he's getting to go like um, hang out with them, visit them in just ways they never had. Previously, and it's funny. I remember when it all went down the fire and everything. My old man called him, and he was like, "Oh, dude, if you would have, if 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 you would have told us when we were in the dorm room in Northwestern State in Natchitoches, Louisiana, that you were going to go fifteen and zero, win national championship, greatest team ever, and then get paid seventeen million dollars not to work, you don't think we would have taken that?" It was like, "Okay, you know what? You're, hey, you're not. I mean, you're not wrong, dude. I think anybody would take uh, would take that deal." What's the relationship like where you live with Coach Saban just because he coached LSU, won a national championship, he's with your rival, and like you said, for a long period of time up until 19, beating your ass. And not just yeah. not just beating you, but then going on just natty, 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 natty. It yeah. was, it's like the John Wooden of college football. Is it like a true hatred or is there like little respect because the fans watched him, what he did for LSU? And even I think Nick... I don't know if he's publicly said this. I think I read it somewhere. He always regrets, you know, the obviously the Miami situation. Yes. He could have just stayed at LSU and LSU just would have been Alabama. But who knows? 
you know, that's another thing. There's, Phil no, Savage there's a lot of he, he has he has a lot of quotes out there, kind of along along those lines, right? That yeah. He so it's not like he, he doesn't have hatred for LSU, the program. Besides, they're no. his rival now. You know, he, he no. understands. And, and there's always been urban myths. I don't know the veracity of this, but there's always been urban myths around here that like. He wanted to come back to LSU after Miami, but LSU was a bit burned at the time, and they just hired Miles, and they didn't really know. Like, if you think back to him at post Miami, we knew Saban was good. We did not know he was no, the greatest yeah. of all time, good yet. And so, basically, there wasn't enough momentum to make. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've always heard the story that then, like, you know, they're like, "No, you know what? You can't come back here." And then he goes to Alabama, and look what happened. I think that. LSU fans, I think the like. What's the your what's your take on him as a player that played against him, but also coached your program? Sure, you met uh, him over I the have, years. I have a grudging respect for him because, um, on one hand, he ruined uh, the thing that I worked with for my entire life. Right, that national championship, which I won one as a freshman, but I was redshirted. Right, scout team. It was nice, yeah. but it's not like being like a you know a main player on the team. So senior year, we're undefeated. We ended up losing 21 nothing in the Natty, which everyone wants to act like, how that happened? There's all these rumors about scandal. You know what happened? I think it's clear now. Nick Saban versus Les Miles. Okay, like, that's not that hard to understand uh, as we've gotten distance. Was there, was, there, was there any ounce of your being walking out on that field like to before the first snap that you were winning that game? Um. Yeah, yes, there was, but it quickly became apparent that, no, like, I was in full belief. I want to be clear about that. This was not a... um. This was not a, oh, we're fucked. It was, this is a, oh, we're fucked with the benefit of hindsight because all we did was practice different versions of the option for like two weeks when that's the only play we had success with game one. It's just, it, but I was, I was bought in, I was bought in pregame and then it quickly became apparent. Oh shit. We're not, they know exactly what we are doing. (laughs) (laughs) We are in trouble. Um, but, uh, so on one hand, you know, he's like this guy that I spent my entire life climbing out this mountaintop and is about to summit. He kicks me in the chest and just ruins my dreams. But on the other hand, as you get to be an adult and you gain perspective, um, the golden age of LSU does not happen without him. LSU in the 90s had lost its way. It was a a a, a joke. He was the one that had to come and prove the potential of what LSU could be the the old you always hear the cliche about the sleeping giant right and and every program every coach when he takes over a heralded program that's fallen a bad times like it's a sleeping giant well Nick Saban proved that and without him you don't have the last three LSU football coaches all taking home national championships and that's and look at the beginning of the miles era yes miles was just winning with Saban's players but miles kept it going miles found his way back to a natty on his own right now eventually he stagnated and lost it but like nick saban ultimately i think the more level-headed lsu fans although there will always be frustration always be hate but the level-headed ones can accept that he showed you the potential of who you can be and that has had a huge lasting impact even as he's gone to Tuscaloosa and kicked your teeth in from time to time. Well, yeah, I'll get you out of here on this. I know you've had a, I know you've had a long day. <laughs> I, I got a question recently on a mailbag, and I think you fall under this category. What constitutes being able to say that you played in the NFL? Basically, starting from like making a training camp all the way to making a 53-man roster. I claimed if you were drafted or an undrafted free agent... And I've been, when I worked with the Eagles, these training camp. I think if you're at a training camp and playing in the preseason games, you can act 
like you played in the NFL. Not like you had an NFL career. Like you, yeah. when you, you, you never made a pass camp, correct? Correct. Yeah, no, I had. I are had, are look, you allowed to tell someone that you, uh, your dad played in the NFL for a long time? Did yes. you play in the NFL? Do, do you believe that? Or, or? I, <laughs> I, I do not. I, I, I'm, I was always a, you have to make P squad uh, for one year. Uh, Practice squad you counts for sure because you play a season. Yes. You know, yes, exactly. If you could stick around for one year, then I think you made it. I, I think I had, I, I would say this about trying to make the NFL. I was an undrafted free agent of the Rams. And um, I could not have landed in a better spot. Like I got every opportunity. Um, they Jeff just, Fisher, yeah, Jeff Fisher. They just signed the center Scott Wells from Green Bay, who was really good and just an excellent teacher and kind of mentor. He was also hurt though during camp, so I basically got to take all the twos reps. Like I got to, I got to play a ton of snaps uh, during the preseason. It was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. I felt like I learned more football in those four months, five months, however long it was that I did in five years in college. Like it gave me a real appreciation of the depth of football and just, and, and, and the only longing I have is I wish I could have continued to see just how deep that craft went and tried to master it. But ultimately, um, are you good enough? And, I fucked up that fourth preseason game, man. Had just an awful one. And me and this other guy, Tim Barge, were neck and neck. Who are they going to keep? And that ends up being the difference right there. And so um, I, I, I think I do not count myself as an NFL player, but I also think that it was one of the coolest and most invaluable experiences of my entire life. Now, it was also incredibly anxiety-ridden. Where every single day, every single play of every practice, you're like, fuck, like, if I fuck this up, like, I may be out of here tomorrow. So I don't miss that aspect, but I do miss the skill level of the guys that I was going against. I loved just how mentally complex it had become and, and how much I was missing from it's almost like I wish I could take those four months of knowledge and retroactively apply them to my college where I was always viewed as like oh the one of the smart guys you know you make Cerebral all the calls player, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly but like but like it wasn't even close what we were asked to do in college versus suddenly what Fisher and them had us doing and I loved it and I loved it but I kind of knew too I think I think I think I think two things I think for me personally I think if I'm being completely honest with myself, I think I maybe could have stuck around on a roster for a couple of years, right? But everybody reaches a point where you're like, okay, you know, you're just you're just outclassed. And I was starting to get there. And then I think secondly, man, I don't think I wanted it with every fiber of my being. I think I'm ultra competitive. I think I really wanted it. But I saw guys like Tyron Matthew where failure was not an option. Like it was never going to be on the table. For me, failure was devastating. It sucked, but I was going to be okay. I have safety nets. Uh, you know, I have family. Like I was going to be okay. I see guys out there who their drive just comes from something deeper, more intrinsic, more built into their DNA. And I think if I had had that, yeah, may maybe I could have stuck around a bit longer, but I think, frankly, I did not. You'll appreciate this, John. My favorite thing to say about my time in the NFL is that I think I lost money trying to make it. I got a um, I got a five hundred dollars signing bonus. So after taxes, it was like three hundred eight, three hundred and eight dollars. And then, uh, like one of the first nights we all get there with the rookies, we go all out to eat. You know, I'm you, like, you got paid as an undrafted free agent. 
Uh, yeah, three three hundred eight. No, three hundred eight dollars. Yeah, not oh, not th- thousand. Oh, five hundred thousand. Five hundred dollars shot. Five five three three Benjamins, a Lincoln, and three Washington. Three hundred and eight dollars after taxes was my signing bonus, right? And then guys are getting cut. They got like fifty thousand dollars signing bonuses, like left and right. And so, but I remember like thinking like, okay, but like we're in the NFL now, like we're gonna get some sort of big checks. This shit will be nice. So one of the first night we went out, I think I spent like fucking like. $300 at a Hooters or something. We were watching like a Timothy Bradley fight. And so next thing you know, I'm like, oh, wait, shit, there's no more money coming in. Like, <laughs> I think we got a camp per diem or something, but you don't actually get paid until after final cuts. So yes, I'm probably one of the rare uh, people who can claim that I lost money trying to make the NFL. I was in the red. Okay. So I got one more nerdy football question. Yeah. You, you're playing Alabama. You're, you played some of those good Florida teams. You know, clearly, if they have an individual who's going to be like a top five pick, but just on the whole, is that more difficult or the preseason game in the third or fourth quarter playing the backups? Because everyone's like, well, everyone's a pro. Well, yeah, Florida or Alabama in their heyday, like like Georgia right now or like LSU will be soon again, right? Well, what, so, what was harder as a player? I, I Separating I still, the anxiety and the pressure of trying to make the team. It's different in college, right? You're on the team. But just which, which the, the actual crazy. football. Which is crazy because right on one hand, you're talking about playing in front of a hundred thousand people. On the other hand, you're talking about playing in front of a few thousand. And people yet, leave. because your because your career is on the line, the few thousand actually feels like like more anxiety inducing. But I would in terms of being harder on the football field, it it's still the preseason games, you know? And 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 maybe not hmm. Well, hmm. Maybe not every game because, you know, like the third game, you're kind of matching up with other guys who probably aren't going to make it. But I did feel like like during the practice, these NFL practices, while they weren't as physically demanding at a college practice where Les Miles would have us like three hours, full pads, like repeat it, just like plays, plays, plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, the worst guy on the NFL roster was still that guy in college that you were like game planning for. Like the guy that you were highlighting, you're like, okay, we got to be ready to deal with him this week, right? And so just the overall talent level, and, and make no mistake, coming from the SEC to the NFL was not an overwhelming jump. Going from 2A private uh, white boy uh, high school ball in Georgia to LSU was a jump. When I'm all of a sudden, I'll never get the first day of practice. I show up at LSU. I got Glenn fucking Dorsey and Ricky Jean Francois locking me out. Like the second the ball is them, I got these short little arms. They're floating around the air. I actually went in the bathroom and cried after the first practice. I'm like, I'm done, dude. Like, why did I go? I can't do this. Did you call your dad uh, and go, I don't know, man. I, don't I, did, know I did not. I did not call my old man. But uh, shout out my old coach, Bradley Dale Pivato, because I remember I did talk to him and he kind of helped me ease through it but i'll never forget that was a shock when i got to the nfl it was not a jump like that but all of a sudden everybody was like you know that best guy that you win against each week so so yeah it's still it's still harder in the league even though playing against those floridas and those alabamas are great and you're still running into guys like marcel darius or hightower yeah. or any of these guys you play ray mcdonald at florida uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I played. I. I don't Florida remember. Florida probably Ray. had some pretty good defensive linemen when you were I there. Remember, I remember um, 
shit. I mean, from Florida, dude, Brandon Spikes was a bully. Oh, uh, my God. Brandon, Brandon Spikes was a dog. Back then, I remember one time I went to cut him, and I thought I nailed him, and it was like... I like hit his thigh and I just slid down. Like he didn't, he didn't move. I just hit it like a cartoon and then just slid and my belly hit the ground. I was like, fuck. I remember doing a point of attack tape in the NFL. I was like a, you know, lowest level intern slash personnel guy. You you put together the, and you're like, is this what it looks like? Oh my God. That guy just would molly wop people coming downhill. He was bad, dude. He he, Uh, he was vicious. I can't wait to watch this uh, Swamp Kings documentary because Urban yeah. had it going at uh, at Florida that time. An eclectic bunch, to say the least. It's like Pablo Escobar meets, you know, Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> well, and you know what's wild to me? I was shocked when I learned this, and that's why I'm going to be interested to see how Florida does in Napier. When Urban Meyer was winning these natties. I, I think he's in trouble would be my take. It's uh, early, I, think, I, I, I think he is, too. I think he is, too. But he at least has Florida starting to pay. I was just flabbergasted when I read the other day that in the Urban Meyer era, the only major construction project they did was building an entrance to uh, the coach's office in the stadiums where they could basically welcome recruits. They didn't have a football ops. When Urban Meyer showed up there, the coach's office, they entered through like a fucking like service gate. And went up the stairs. They had nowhere to show off anything to recruits. And the one thing they built was they ended up building a little entranceway to the stadium where here they had the trophies. They woke people in. But, I mean, Nick Saban built a football ops at LSU back in like 2003 or 02. It was like one of the – like. It, it, Spurrier set the tone there in Florida where we don't need all this crap. We're just going to win because we're better than you, blah, 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 blah. And it took a long time for them to kind of get out of that mindset. And if nothing else, now they're out of that mindset. We, just, I mean, Napier's not being handed any favors by this uh, this schedule. Just going to be brutal. So we'll see. Okay. Well, T-Bob, you got a big uh, big summer plans, I'm sure. Enjoy the fam. Where, snaps, you guys got your own YouTube channel. They find yes. you on podcasts, anywhere they listen. You, let it let it rip where we yeah, can find Yeah, okay, you. so check it out. So uh, Snaps here on the volume, which I love so much. Um, if you just Google Snaps Podcast, you can find the link for like Apple, Spotify, whatever. Uh, we're really trying to grow the YouTube. YouTube.com slash at volume snaps like subscribe uh they do such a great job of like have put out shorts and everything else and, and like i said man i i think it's a ton of fun like 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 y'all show john thank you for having me man this is um th- this was this was really really fun for real yeah you're, you're the best bro we'll have to do it again talk some college football when the season gets close take it easy bro. any time man all right y'all take it easy <laughs>
Exclusions apply. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. 